What is up, everybody? Back again, week five for the college football landscape, right? Uh, week whatever it is for us, episode, I don't know, I was out for what felt like an eternity. Thank you so much for holding down the floor, Tyson. You bet. I think people appreciate your voice better than mine. So. No, no, no. Not at all. Man. So happy to have you back. Oh, dude, it's, 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 I'm, I'm really excited to be back. Yeah, so as you know, as, for those of you who don't know, I was out for a little bit, pretty sick. Um, I did have COVID. We found that out near the tail end of it. I did a bunch of tests. They all came back negative, which is crazy. So, uh, but glad to be back. So, once again, this is the fan section. We brought to you for fans, by fans, across the college landscape from section 100 to section 300. Please to the suites. Welcome, everybody. I'm your co-host, Alan. That is your co-host, Tyson. Two dudes talk, talking college, dropping knowledge. Uh, before we start, we want to take the time to ask to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. We promise to read on air. None so far outside of the one we've had, so please get in that, and we'll definitely read them. Um, also, go over to the Twitter handle, the fan section, and if you want to get in the mailbag, thefansection1 at gmail.com. Having said the amazing intro that I have been dying to say for a couple of weeks now, um, what a week it was. I thought it was... Pretty intense. Um, a lot to get into today. We're going to talk about recruiting. We're going to recap the games. We're going to talk about our. We're going to do our game. I don't. You probably picked a couple of games. I think so. I think I don't know what the score is between. Well, you won that first week. <laughs> we had done our picks, and you beat me again. Oh, I didn't no, do okay. picks last week, so okay. so. Um, but that'll probably be on the next podcast. Okay. Is we'll do we'll do the uh, Power Five Pick'em pick yes, pending on that. <laughs> Patent pending, I love it. Um, also, we will get into the the. So yeah, really, just today we'll just be recruiting and recap the week. I mean, and maybe look forward to a couple games next week, or we can just wait for that. I think because the slate is fully loaded, the meat of the schedule is starting to show up. You're going to see really whether really the playoff picture come in the, the next few weeks. Honestly, I think ESPN does their college um, their college ranking show. That they always that the draws in big numbers. They did it perfectly, where the committee comes together, and there's people that should be on the committee that are on the committee. We can discuss that if you want, um, or we can just you know we're just gonna dive right into it for sure. As far as the big news of what happened last Saturday in, in, in the terms of the recruiting world, and we haven't hit on recruiting because nothing really has happened. A lot of blood players are able to take their visits now. This week, there's a mainly for the Georgia Arkansas game. Both teams will have a lot of top 100 recruits there. I think Georgia's already uh, they're they're commissioned out, meaning they can ha- they can't have any more visit recruits visit them, officially on official visits. There are only a certain amount of period or a certain amount of players they can have on official visit for one game, <clears throat> and that game because obviously it's the best in the West right now and the best in the East right now. Um, all the recruits want to see those two teams. Big big for Sam Pittman, huge for Kirby Smart. The winner of that game is going to definitely, I think, sway some recruits. But Archie Manning, the top twenty twenty, the top recruit, or sorry, the top player in the twenty twenty three class, the quarterback, the nation's number one overall recruit, which is crazy. They've already decided he's the nation's, but he's really that good. Was at the Georgia game. The Georgia fans did a big homage to him. They all painted their backs, as we, and it spelled out "We want Arch," and it was in front of the the end zone, so he had to stare at it pretty much all game. He said he loved it. His dad did say that he wants to have his recruiting wrapped up before his senior year. We're told that it's down to two schools. He's still going to finish his recruiting. He's still going to visit official visits, but it's between Bama and Georgia. Shocked me. I thought Ole Miss was still in the mix. I thought Tennessee might be in the mix uh, just because of the family ties. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's he just he couldn't stop talking about the Georgia visit and visits do that to you. And you're going to see a lot of players like, for example. 
Walter Nolan, who was committed to Georgia, decommitted, who's the 2021 nation's top recruit, actually has Georgia as his number two school now. Usually when a, when a player decommits like that, they're not interested in that school anymore. So whatever they're doing with Kirby Smart and his staff, kudos to them. Penn State is still kicking ass in the recruiting. Really, really happy to see that, um, especially because they're ranked in the top four, which I think is awesome. So recruits is definitely going to be uh, you know something to keep an eye on here in the next couple weeks. Hey, let me ask you a question. <coughs> with uh, the Penn State specifically, mm-hmm. if – because there's rumors about the potential of um, James Franklin, the head coach, going to USC. <laughs> what would happen to their recruiting class? Uh, it depends. A lot of times when you're being recruited, it's the assistant coaches that do it. Um, obviously, the head coaches have their hand in every player, right? Like, you want every player. It's just, it's just, right. You're not going to get them all. Um, but... He would try and bring some of his assistant uh, yeah, coaches Yeah, you see that him. happen a lot. Like, if a coach... That's why you're told in, in the recruiting process, don't commit to the coach, commit to the school. Yeah, If you get a point. really good feel for the school, like the athletic director, because the coach might not be there, you know, but from your freshman to senior year, the chances are pretty slim, right? Like, yep. we've seen a lot of good programs release good coaches after, you know, say like a nine-year, eight-win year. It's just not good enough. They get fired. It is what it is. Um, but a lot of players, this is where the transfer portal, I think, comes into play a little bit. But the, the early enrollment is in February, I believe. So they have until then to kind of make their choice, which is coming up around the corner, really is. Uh, a lot of players like to have their recruit, their hard committed. Their, a lot of them are already hard committed, like Travis Hunter in the corner, um, who's going to Florida State. So it's like you might have between now and maybe week eight, a lot of players will start committing. Um, but I think if, to answer your question and going back to it, it'll, it'll definitely impact them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It'll help USC. But the problem is Penn State and USC, because of where they're at on the map, USC targets a lot of the West Coast players. They target some Midwest players, but they don't really target the Northeast-style players like Penn State does. There's a lot of really good products in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania likes to target the New York guys. They like to target the Florida guys. They like to target... Um, occasionally there might be ties to a brother, like in California, but it's pretty rare. So I think it just kind of depends on where they are. If they're from Florida or Pennsylvania, I think having them go all the way to USC is kind of out. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on, you know, just family commitments and stuff. So, you never know. Um, but <clears throat> to finish, Penn State is number one. Notre Dame is number one, or two. Alabama is number three. Texas is four. Georgia is five. And that rounds out the top five for now. So a little bit of change. Texas did pick up a couple of recruits. Uh, Alabama's still steady sitting at three. Um, Georgia hasn't really moved. Uh, it's kind of waiting on Walter Nolan. If they're able to land him, they're definitely going to jump probably up to top two. Um, and then as far as commits go, Penn State is committed out with 25. Notre Dame is at 21. Bama's at 15. Texas is at 21. Georgia's at 17. So look for – this is the time that Smart and Saban like to make their move. You'll see them, because they don't have 25 commits, they're really going to push hard for a lot of these five stars that are still on the board. So, yeah, just look for, obviously, Bama and Georgia to finish top three, in my opinion. Um, But that kind of rounds it out for recruiting. Um, As far as the recap of what happened, man, so many things. Um, The next segment, I'll let you kind of take that off. Man, 
And so the week five recap. Uh, love the sound effects, by the way. Love it. That's <laughs> awesome, man. I had, I had a little groove. Um, so real quick, the games that we uh, we highlighted was a ton of them. We'll go through most of them. Uh, Liberty, Syracuse. Syracuse was able to hold on kind of the end there. I'm super high on Liberty because I'm Malik Willis. Uh, had, had a pretty solid game, I think. And, and, and you know, not like Mil- Malik Willis-esque, but kept him in it for sure. Uh, Syracuse, though, they're off to a 3-1 start. I think this is the first time in like 10 years they've had a 3-1 start. So good for them. Uh, Georgia Vanderbilt. Georgia crushed Vanderbilt like normal. Vanderbilt prob- football-wise shouldn't be in the SEC. Proved it again. But this was a statement game. Georgia, so for those of you that don't know, Vanderbilt last year canceled on Georgia's senior day. So, But they played the week before. Then they said, uh, we might have some COVID protocols. Georgia's like, that's cool, man. You know, So they canceled the game. Then the week after, Vanderbilt actually played. So this game was personal for Georgia. That's why they didn't really take – they took they took out JT Daniels, but they didn't really take anybody else out. So a lot of their starters ended up playing all four quarters. And Curtis Norris quoted four quarters of pain the entire game. So the, this was a statement game. Vanderbilt never, ever, ever cancel on a team like that again. If you know what's good for your players, it's safety at that point really comes into play. Um, but Georgia didn't care. Like I said, it was a statement game. Oklahoma, West Virginia. Oklahoma was able to squeak it out. And I want to dive into Oklahoma as being one of the worst 4-0 teams I've ever seen in my entire life. I think that Spencer Rattler, the Heisman talk for Spencer Rattler needs to go away. Like, he after, after four games, yeah, so, um, man, Spencer Rattler is not a Heisman to me. Before I dive too much further into that, though, and get on a tangent, do you want to talk about what you saw? Liberty, Syracuse, Georgia, Vanderbilt, uh, Oklahoma, West Virginia? Yeah, I think a little bit of the shine came off of Liberty. Yeah. Um, Syracuse is better than we thought. Remember earlier uh, in the offseason, we talked about how Dino Babers, the head coach, was on the hot seat. Mm. Boy, they found a way to turn it around. Uh, quarterback Garrett Schrader and the running back, Sean Tucker, are dangerous in that read option. And, you know, don't look now, but the field is catching up to Michigan State's Kenneth Walker uh, for rushing yards. Sean Tucker from Syracuse is now second with 536 yards, oh, wow. seven touchdowns. Um, yeah. And then as far as the Georgia-Vanderbilt game, I mean, just once again, Georgia's defense is just suffocating. Yeah. And Vanderbilt is, is terrible. They're just I mean, not yeah. good. Now, outside of football, I think that it's like one of those things where you wonder if the SEC, since they're moving in the direction they're moving, should they have a meeting and be like, look, we love every other sport you guys have because you're competitive in baseball, you're competitive in basketball, you're decent in women's soccer, mm-hmm. women's gymnastics. But football, there's some, you know, maybe it's not, maybe you shouldn't be in the SEC for football. You just wonder if they're going to go that route with adding all these other teams, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt was down 35 nothing at the end <laughs> yeah, of the, the first, first quarter. quarter. Yeah. I mean, like you said, JT Daniels only played one quarter. Yeah. And, uh, and it was... Um, was able to put together 9 for 10, 129, two touchdowns. <laughs> I was going to ask you, though, interesting. I think there may be a negative that comes out of this. It, because Stetson Bennett came in and played pretty good, too. And I was wondering if you thought maybe the fans would start clamoring have, for him they again. Are, they already have been. Ridiculous. They did, they did Ridiculous. Last week when it ended last week when Bennett came in, and they were like, well, because you know Bennett came in and did really well at the end of the, of the third game. But he came in last week. And he threw a pick his first throw. So, 
that pretty much ended the competition. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the fact that there was competition when Kirby Smart went on SEC Media and said JT Daniels, he brought JT Daniels with him. Right. The disrespect and the mishandling of quarterbacks is beyond just utter retardedness in my sense. Like, I, I have never seen someone mishandle so many amazing quarterbacks. And the fact that Beck was listed as number two gets jumped for the guy who's now who was number four on the on the starting. Beck might transfer, and not because he felt disrespected. He hasn't played it down. Right. He's Mister Florida. He's a former five star recruit. Yeah. He's supposed to take the reins next year. You're supposed to build the program for dynasties. You're not supposed to build the program for this year and this year only. You're supposed to, like I said, dynasties. And Beck was going to give you two years. Brock was going to come and give you two years. Gunner's going to come in and give you two years. And Archie, eventually, that's the plan. Two years each of these guys. And you just keep reloading the quarterback. I mean, you just, you're honest and you explain, look, if you want to take the job, go out and fucking take it. But the problem is, Bennett, I'm just glad that he's gone after this year. As, I mean, he's a, he's a DGD, damn good dog. I love him. But he has no business being on the field in the SEC game ever again unless there's catastrophic injuries up and down that quarterback roster. He should never play. It's not a competition. It's JT Daniels' team. He proved that in one quarter of last week. Then it came in and threw a pick again. So it's just, there. yes, yeah. people have been clamoring for, for Bennett, and I just, it, it blows my mind. I don't understand. Well, check this out. JT Daniels, maybe a little cannon fodder for you to throw those people. JT Daniels. <laughs> is second in the country with a completion percentage of 76.1 on the season. He's making the right decisions. The biggest knock, it's not, no, the biggest attribute that he has is he knows where to go with the football, and he's always over 70% completion rate. NFL scouts drool over a 70% completion rate. You can't even get that in the pros with some of these guys. Oh, my gosh, no. So that's what I'm saying. Like, he... he and it's not just the fact that, like you said, it's not he's not making these dink and dunk throws. He's actually making some intermediate and deep mm-hmm. ball throws. So He was dink and dunk against Clemson. Yeah. I'll give you that. But, but he was also hurt. But who isn't dink and dunk against Clemson? Exactly. Okay? They have Clemson. a very, very good defense. Yeah, and, and I get it. Everybody's like, well, Clemson, the, the Clemson loss is now looking way worse. And I'm like, it's still Clemson, man. Like, they still have 105 stars over there. They still have a very mm-hmm. good recruiting class coming in next year. It's Clemson. They're going to be okay. Well, and the problem with Clemson isn't the defense. I know. It's just like, I just don't understand why the people think there's competition. There shouldn't be a competition. It's not. There's no competition ever again. Right. Anyway. Mm, yep. Moving on. So, we have the, we just talked about a little bit more in depth about Georgia Vanderbilt. We talked about, uh, now let's dive into Oklahoma, West Virginia. Um, we did talk about them, and I said earlier... I don't think Spencer Rattler is very good. But before I go on the tangent, go ahead and tell me what you saw from West Virginia that made them lose this game. Well, I mean, Daggy and Green, I thought, played well. But, um, you know, I, I, they they could not come up with offense late in the second half. And it, it was it was frustrating because they, they played hard enough, specifically the defense played hard enough to win the game. But, my, I mean, my big takeaway... Uh, just to preface what I'm sure you're about to dive into here, but it was a classic Kirk Herbstreit call on the game, just infuriating. Yeah. You know, he gets so politically correct. He, <laughs> the fans were chanting uh, back, you know, for the backup late in the in the first half, and he and his response on live TV, you fans don't understand. And then him and Chris Fowler both later on in the game. Spencer Rattler, just go out there and score a touchdown and shut the crowd up. 
Well, he didn't score a touchdown. No. He didn't shut the crowd up. Like, it's just infuriating to listen to these people try and, like, lecture, and you know, on morals about... It's, it's college football. These are fans. Like, get beyond it. But Rattler, through three games, has only eight pass touchdowns and three interceptions. Yeah. He is not a Heisman candidate. No, he's not. And that's the thing. So it's like, and that's the tangent I kind of want to dive into. When we first started this podcast, what did we say we weren't? We weren't the typical media lovers of college football, right? We're not going to give you this stupid reason for this person to be this better and that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about the topics at hand, and we're gonna dive, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it once, and we're gonna move on. When it and it comes to Spencer Rattler. We can't move on because everybody in the media thinks they're doing their damnness to get him the Heisman because they don't want to be proven wrong because they have him hyped up to be this amazing savior or the next great quarterback. Lincoln Riley is is right now three for four, okay? He didn't hit with Spencer Rattler. It's okay. It's okay, man. Like, he's just not a Heisman. And I was telling you, like, I just... When and it comes to the best quarterbacks in the country, Spencer Rattler is not even in the top ten right now. He's True. not even in the top twenty. Yeah. I would put Sam Howell above him, right? And he's had a pretty bad year. I would put Jake Hayner at Fresno State oh, way in the hell above yeah. him. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's probably one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. The problem is though that he lives in Oklahoma. If Oklahoma does what they're supposed to do and gets lucky, wins out. They're going to find a way. They're going to Notre Dame their way into the playoff. And then the, the lights are going to be brightest, and I think he's just going to do something that totally dumb. But the problem is the Heisman is voted on before that. So it's like, okay, I just don't think he deserves it. But the question then remains, who does deserve it? We can do a special show on that if you want, talk about the top five guys at each position, which I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. And we can say, okay, and our top five Heisman finalists. I honestly think that the Heisman should go to a defensive player for once this year. I think it should be Jordan Davis. What he's able to do, he's Aaron Donald in, in, in college form. But the problem is he's, he's, a B, he's a D tackle. He's not going to get the love for it. So even though he is leaps and bounds the best college football player right now, mm-hmm. that's what the Heisman should go to, the best college football player. And Spencer Rattler is not that. Right. He's far from it. And I just don't understand why people keep hyping him up. Well, Oklahoma has some other things they need to clean up. I mean, they can't get a run game going. Their offensive line has been terrible. (laughs) This game against West Virginia, they only had 57 rushing yards. That is trash. And they have Kansas State coming up next. Kansas State, off of that loss to Oklahoma State, they might be licking their chops. But um, we can move on to the next game if you're ready. Absolutely. Mm, Next game, we got uh, (laughs) what you, you told me. Told me the very first beginning, I said, look out for this team. Arkansas is coming down the track. We get to find out if they're for real against my dogs this weekend. But they blew out Texas A&M. And I think it's because Texas A&M, I've said before, is a little bit overrated. Um, and that, it's only been kind of coming to light like recently. Their offense is just stagnant. Like, they can't score points. you got to score more than 10 points in the SEC. Arkansas did come to play. For years, you've heard how they're just—they have the talent, but their depth isn't there. I think this year their depth is actually there. I think Georgia's going to end up rolling them. I don't think they're going to score more than 13 points against my dogs because they have a really good defense. But they're a really good team in the West and a team to keep an eye on. Uh, and they—they they separated themselves. They're now 4-0, top of the West right now. Uh, 
just because the game's played, Alabama's like slightly below them, and that'll be a good game for them. Arkansas plays Bama later on in the season. If somehow Arkansas is undefeated, heck yeah, they might be for real. So, but I want to talk more about a &M. Are they overrated, or did they just did the Arkansas just catch them off that day? Yeah, I, I think they're overrated. I mean, we, you and I, we saw them in person mm -hmm. down in Denver. Yeah. Um, and, I, again, I'm going to push back on this thing. It's not a matter of Haynes King being hurt. No. He, he was no miracle worker. No, no. Calzada has been every bit of what Haynes King would have been, mm -hmm. which is just a, a mobile athlete, decent passer, but not big enough for the moment, just never big enough for the moment. Yeah. Isaiah Spill, of the three-headed monster that A&M came into the season with, which would be Devin A. Chain, Anaya Smith, and Isaiah Spiller. Only Isaiah Spiller has shown up. Anaya Smith and A. Chain have been missing in action. They're 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 a complete um, disappearing act. Yeah. Which well, doesn't doesn't help. And and in the the two wins over ranked opponents for Arkansas, the win forty to twenty one over Texas, mm -hmm. and then this win, their defense held both of those opponents to under three hundred yards. Arkansas has a real defense. They do. They're, they're pretty good. They have a real defense, and they run, and maybe you could speak to this a little bit better, but they run a 3-2-6 defense, which is really, I think, interesting, having so many defensive backs out yeah. in the field. It's just a typical nickel look. Uh, I mean, you're, it's not the 4-2-5 where you have pretty much a blitzer every play. They're going to have the three down linemen, uh, the two linebackers. The linebackers are more like strong safeties, in my opinion. Um, they're able to cover tight ends, which is big. Uh, so we're going to see how, how well that that front seven actually does. And it's not even a front seven, it's a front five. You know what I mean? Because of that, three, two. Um, but I think that the it opens them up for running lanes, right? Like three down linemen and the, the two really, in my opinion, strong safeties coming down. How good can the strong safeties play the run? I mean, we're going to find out this weekend Georgia likes to run the ball. Um, and we're going to see, you know, if we can, if Georgia is, if, if Georgia is, the contender that we had them picked to be, they they don't stumble against Arkansas. But if they do, then I think we need to switch gears and say, is Arkansas for real? Like, you know, the week after next. Because if they are able to pull the upset, they're going to be ranked in the top five. You know what I mean? Which is going to be amazing for them. If, you know, because Georgia would be out, obviously, in the top. They'd probably be top seven. You might cut the boat, but Arkansas has a damn great argument to be top four. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I'll tell you what. Vegas agrees with you. Yeah. The line for that Georgia, 18, 18 yeah. and a half yeah, points. It's just because it's. I just don't – and I'm going off of the talent. Like, and I know my dogs more than I know Arkansas. Sure. And I, I, I know that – Georgia, the same team, beat them 37-10 last year. They Both these teams have played a year ago. Mm -hmm. The talent didn't really uh, – Georgia lost more talent, and they still are rolling teams, and they still have the best defense in the nation, arguably. No, I, so think I, that's, think, I think you can I say think, that affirmatively. Yeah, I just don't think that they're – I don't think they're good enough yet. But Pittman has them on track. And if there's a lot of recruits to be at this game, and there's a lot of recruits to be had if you're Sam Pittman, and he's one hell of a recruiter, he really is – um, so anyway, real quick, I want to go back to Zach Calzada. He only had 609 passing yards in the year, four TDs and three interceptions. He's been sacked seven times. So it's not, I'm, and I'm not putting all the blame on him. I'm just simply saying that the fact that you only have 609 rushing yards through four games and you see, you scroll to the top, you know, top four right now, Rogers, Basil, like Johnson, Bryce Young, and Corral, they all have a thousand passing yards in the season. If you want to be elite, you got to have a thousand yards by by game, you know, four. You really do. You have to have, and they're at fourteen hundred, twelve hundred, eleven hundred, eleven hundred. So they're not 
barely over. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of them are killing it. But their touchdown and interception ratio: eleven TDs to two, ten to three, fifteen to three, fifteen to one, nine and zero. And that's Matt Corral: nine TDs to zero interceptions with you know a thousand, a thousand right at kind of near a thousand. Um, and his completion rates just just below seventy. So it's like, all right, cool. Um, so I think the fact that Calzada, I mean, I'm not putting the full blame on him. I'm putting the full blame on Jimbo Fisher. The fact that, I mean, Cal's is going to be there another year. He's a sophomore, so he's mm-hmm. got junior and possibly, potentially senior year. So will Haynes King, though. Yeah, Haynes King might, yeah. But, it, I, I mean, it's clear. They weren't, like you said, they weren't moving the ball with Haynes before, no. even before Zach came there. Right. So my thing is, like, if you, Zach, if you really want this job, you need to take it. You need to take it, go in and, and just win, every, win out every single game, obviously, minus the Alabama game. You're probably going to have two more losses somewhere on the schedule, which I, I predicted earlier. I think you're a... I think you're a three, maybe four loss team. I just don't think that Jimbo Fisher has his team mentally in the right space. And I'm putting the full blame on him. He was brought over to do this, and he's not doing it. And mm-hmm. the fact that you can only score 10 points against, it's Arkansas. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people wrote them off, and I get it. You guys probably did, but that's on the coaching staff for not having your team ready. Well, and you mentioned Calzada. I mean, mm-hmm. 151 passing yards and a touch and one interception, no yeah. touchdown. I mean, that's, that's terrible. you're right. That's terrible, and that's that's, terrible. that's the coaching. Yep. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Colorado State, Iowa. So Colorado State was able to sneak a win out last week. Uh, crazily, uh, didn't think it would ever happen. <laughs> but they're one and three. Iowa smoked them though, 24-14. They beat them by. I thought it was going to be a little bit more because Iowa's a top four team now. I think this loss or this win hurts Iowa a little bit. The fact that it's it's now we're getting the playoff picture where wins don't matter necessarily as how good you look in the win, right? Mm-hmm. So did they look good in this win? No. no, they didn't look like a top four team to me, um, but they still are there. And I, I just I want to the, the I test this. I still want to wait and see on Iowa. Um, as far as Colorado State goes, I mean maybe it was one of those things where Iowa just kind of underestimated a little bit because I thought it was close early. It really was. Um, able to put fourteen points up on Iowa. There's not as many offensive woes as you know we thought, and now that Colorado State is about to start their conference play, maybe they're able to do some things in the Mountain West. Who knows? I think that's a good point, and you're right. Colorado State was up mm-hmm. fourteen to seven at halftime yeah. in this game. Yeah. This is at Iowa, mm-hmm. okay, in Iowa City. Yeah. Um, Iowa is interesting in that they remind me of that Ohio State team a couple, or geez, a couple, maybe five six years ago yeah. that won the national title. That the offense was pedestrian. But the defense created so many turnovers, turnovers. and that's what allowed them to win the, the game. turnover differential was like 8-2 to two or something crazy like that. Right. Eight possessions they would come up right. with. Right, exactly. And yeah. so that's the thing with this offense. Yeah. You have now, it's 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 every week. It's either a good or a bad Spencer Petrus day. Mm-hmm. This was kind of a bad Spencer Petrus day. Yeah. He didn't perform super well, about fi- almost like 55% completion percentage, two touchdowns and interception. But to that point, their defense is what got them through the Indiana and Iowa State games with wins, both ranked opponents, which is potential. I mean, probably one of the better records mm. that any team has in the country. Yeah. But here, I'm going to give you the turnovers created by the defense in their four games. Mm. Okay, the first game against Indiana, three. Second game against Iowa State, four. In their last two games, the defense has only caused one turnover. So, I mean, that's kind of the recipe, I guess, against Iowa, is don't turn the ball over mm-hmm. and, and and run the ball. Colorado State's quarterback, this kid Todd Centeno, 
He's not bad. No, I think, I think they. This was a team that the numbers thought was going to be terrible, and maybe they are. Mm. But but between him and the D line is pretty strong. Scott Patchen and Toby McBride. Mm-hmm. I, I think they look pretty good. But yeah. but I think this was more of an aberration. I think you and I both, in general, are pretty impressed with Iowa. And this was yeah. just sort of a hey, they looked over them. Very they weren't them. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think it was one of those like, hey man, it wasn't pretty. We got the win. Let's get the hell out of here. You know, get ready for next week. I don't know who they play. Um, Maryland next. Oh, they play Maryland? And Maryland's 4 and up. Yeah, okay. So That's a good game. It's going to be a gut check game for them. I think it's one of those things where, hey, man, everything we want is still in front of us. We go take care of business against Maryland. Everybody forgets about us barely beating CSU throughout the season. So, mm-hmm. um, mm, yep. Heck, yeah. So, this team, uh, I can't. I just don't even know where to begin. They're just like Oklahoma to me. They're one of the worst 4-0 teams I've ever seen in my entire life. Notre Dame, I've said this before. I think they're overrated. They, they did beat down Wisconsin uh, 41-13. Awesome, man. Good for you. You Someone posted on Twitter, and I I just I, – I was – I threw up. Not because I was sick, but because I, I, I had to read this. That someone said, this is, the, this is O-line you. And I said, look <laughs> – um, when was the last time a first-round offensive lineman went from Notre Dame? The answer, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2017, 2018. You have to look. Well, and you're not O-line you if you yeah. take you 2018 is the last time, and it was a late first-round pick. Right. No, there's no one that knows any... Either, unless you're a Notre Dame fan, you don't even know their lineman's name. Well, so, the O-line is a problem with their, yes. uh, with their offense yes. right now. They're right. young. They're, I mean, how many sacks has Jack Cohen had to deal with? I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's the, it, was the, it was probably the second dumbest thing I think I've read this week so far. And the first was, Notre Dame's going to roll Cincinnati. No, you're not going to roll Cincinnati. You're playing a, a, a perennial top-10 team, finally. You're not, you escaped against Toledo. You escaped against Florida State. You're not worthy. Okay, I just don't, I, I don't even, I can't even, I can't even ignore yeah. it. I can't even ignore it. Well, and the score does not at all reflect how the no. game was played. No. I mean, Notre Dame still could not get Kyron Williams going. He only had 33 yards. Notre Dame had a total of nine rushing yards in the game. I think my, nine. Hate, my hate for Notre Dame comes from Cubs fans. I just can't fucking stand Cubs fans. Yeah. And I, the fact but I hate Cubs fans, it just bleeds into Notre Dame because your fans are just so delusional. Every year is your year. It's not, man. I'm sorry. Like, you, I've said it before, in order for Notre Dame to prove to me that they belong in the top four, they have to go undefeated three years in a row. I don't care who they play, when they play them, where they play them. Go undefeated three years in a row, and then I might give you, in my head, a shot at the top four if you want some of the big dogs. I think there's a lot of similarities between Notre Dame and Texas A&M. And yeah. maybe that's why you're so heated about both. Maybe. Is they have, both have really... Pedestrian trash offenses. They're way overhyped. Every and their defenses. It's it's entirely on the D. The defense caused five turnovers in this game. Okay, this was a game that was tied ten to ten going into the third quarter. Yeah. I know some of you just look at the box scores. You don't watch the games, and you go, "Oh wow, you know uh, they won. What was it? A uh, forty-one to thirteen. What a blowout!" No, this was ten to ten at the end of the third quarter. I love Michael Mayer. I do. I really think he's a really top. He's a, he's a potential top five tight end. 
But the fact that he only has 267 receiving yards on the season and your leading running back is averaging 3.8 yards per carry with two TDs and 244 yards on the air with 64 attempts, that is dog shit. Yeah. Stop talking to me about your offense. Your well, offense is nothing. Well, I think we do want to note. Okay, uh, Brian Kelly passed Newt Rockney with his 106 win. He's now the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. And that's no small feat because of the academic standards that Notre Dame has. Okay, I'm not ignoring the fact that it's probably very hard to get some of these recruits in, but you're able to, year in, year out, use the Notre Dame effect, get some of these four stars, get some five stars. I mean, crying out loud, they were number one in recruiting for about two weeks before we started this podcast. So they're able to get these players. The development is what blows my fucking mind. I just don't see it. Well, and if, I mean, even if you tie, I have relatives who are Notre Dame fans, and even if you talk to the Notre Dame fans, they know. Okay, yeah, Brian Kelly's been good, but I mean, when you say he's better than Newt Rockney or Air Parsian or some of these guys, it's like no, no, Notre Dame has eleven national championships. Yes, they haven't won one since Lou Holtz in 1988. <laughs> yes, let me give you a short list of teams that have won national titles sooner, more recently than Notre Dame. Clemson, Colorado, Clemson. Georgia Tech, Washington. <laughs> okay, so like, let's give it. Let's pump the brakes. Did you see that interview, that pregame interview that they did of that guy, like talking about his hundred and whatever? And he was like, "Yeah, to get a statue, you got to win a national title." And I'd love to be out there in, in bronze. That's never gonna happen, man. Yeah. Like, you guys can build him a statue now as the winningest coach. But the problem is, it's gonna say winningest coach. It's never gonna say winningest coach with the national title in twenty whatever it is, because Notre Dame is just not good enough. I'm sorry. The, the facts are the facts. Yeah, I don't I don't see them beating Cincinnati, but no. And if they do, awesome, man. I will come up here and I will you'll all you'll hear me crunching on a crew all day. Mm, yep. Moving on, we have Iowa State Baylor. Uh, the Baylor was able to squeak out against Iowa State. Iowa State is still a solid team. They're still good. They're still competing, and I'm really really proud of them and happy for them after they took that devastating loss earlier in the season. But this isn't the Iowa State team that we highlighted, and I just. Their defense, I thought was going to be a hell of a lot better. The fact that they were, they got manhandled for thirty-one points, put on them. Some of that might have been special teams. Some of it might have been their defense. Yes, cool. But Iowa State defense—that's all we heard about all offseason, and so far they're among the worst. You know. I, well, and Mike Rose, I know the guy you really like, the linebacker. He no, has, I did like him. He has played well. Still but I think the story of this game was Iowa State settling for field goals. Yeah. Please get us, you know, get at us in the comments or in uh, uh, the email if you disagree Absolutely. or anything. But but I mean, you look, you if you just look at the play by play on this game, I mean, it, it in the first late first half, early second half, Iowa State is trading a field goal for a Baylor touchdown, just back and forth, back and yeah. forth, and one of them they missed. I mean, you know, you cannot win football that way. Yeah. You you have to take the chances you have to take the opportunities and you're right i mean one of the touchdowns for baylor was came on a 98 yard uh, kickoff return um but i mean that that pretty much sealed it late i uh late uh Brees hall who actually had a pretty good game Brees hall uh 190 yards two touchdowns and 51 yards and a touchdown receiving mm-hmm. finally Brees hall made an appearance right who he's been absent all year yeah but, you know i mean they couldn't convert the two-point try to tie it it's just typical iowa state this year yeah and, you know, Baylor secures their first win over a top 15 team since 2015. Yeah. Crazy. I, I think, I'm impressed by Baylor. I think I, I think they're, you know, hey, the, the future is bright at Baylor. They get Oklahoma State coming up this uh, this next week. So it'll be uh, fun to see how they progress. Mm, yep. 
Moving on, Georgia Tech destroyed North Carolina 45-22. Sam Howell was damn near perfect, I thought. He didn't, he didn't no interceptions, anything. 360 yards in the air, two TDs. Just for whatever reason, they couldn't get the run game going. 17 carries for 48 yards on Chandler. Um, I, what happened in North Carolina, man? The ranked team. I mean, Georgia Tech switching that offense. Yeah, awesome, cool. You came in and you beat a ranked team, man. That's that's amazing, I think, that the fact that, you know, it was 7 nothing UNC, 7-3, 7-6, 13-7. Then, you know, you know the, that was right before the halftime, I think, that kind of did the dagger. And then UNC just had no offense in the third quarter. It was 20-7, 27-7, 27-14. in the fourth, they just exploded again with another offensive output, 35-14. And then they kind of stalled out a little bit. Notre Dame or North Carolina came back, uh, 22-35, kind of made it a little close, 22-38. But then you know Georgia with the or uh, Georgia Tech with the nail in the coffin with that 50-yard run by Brent or uh, sorry Jeff Sims, uh, which was about 50 seconds of just pure speed, put 45-22. So I think that the I mean it's safe to say North Carolina is not going to be ranked probably ever again. They you know maybe until the end of the season if they rip off like seven or six or eight wins, which they they, they have the potential to. Um, but this game definitely lost how the Heisman I think in the sense of it was a loss. It's an ugly loss. You weren't competitive, but you did play well. You know. Yeah, I played well. Uh, yeah, I mean a little underwhelming maybe passing, but the problem here I tell you is the problem is Sam Howell three fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Three fumble. I agree with you. He's out of the Heisman yeah, race he at this point. Him, so. Man, North Carolina really misses Carter and Wilson Williams. They their running game cannot get going. They only had sixty three rush yards. They're averaging one point eight rush yards mm-hmm. per carry. It's, it's a real, real problem. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Georgia Tech looking is looking solid. They replaced their quarterback, Yates, who played real tough mm-hmm. against Clemson uh, with Jeff Sims, you were mentioning. Yeah. And Sims just exploded. He had over 100 yards passing and rushing, three rushing touchdowns. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, hats off to Georgia Tech. Um, they, uh, check out this stat line. Junior linebacker Charlie Thomas on the defensive end, eight tackles, three sacks, five tackles for loss. Mm. I mean, just real, real impressive on both sides of the ball for Georgia Tech. And I think they really earned their first win over a top 25 team since 2017. Yeah. Next, though, I'll tell you, they get Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, now granted, they played Sisters of the Poor or whatever. It's some <laughs> multi-directional <laughs> school. But they scored five passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns this week. Jesus. Pittsburgh day. exploded. Hey, anybody who wanted anything, you're up. Have a day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So moving on next, we have. Uh, sorry, man, I was laughing at something. I just, I'm, I'm so mad at the at the Blue Jays right now. The fact that they're able to, they're not, they're not holding on against the Yankees. I just can't believe it. Anyway, um, everyone hates the Yankees. Yeah, well, I don't mind them. I'm excited for them. Anyway, talking about college football, 31-20, Kansas or Oklahoma State was over Kansas State. Uh, I didn't. I, I'm I'm kind of I'm gonna keep an eye a closer eye on Oklahoma State now moving forward. I think they're a 4-0 team, 1-0 in conference. Um, they weren't bad this game. I mean, they, they from start to finish, it was pretty much, it was all Oklahoma State. Like, uh, I mean, they 21-10 ending the first quarter, and then you see, you know, them kind of exploiting a lot of offense. No offense in the fourth quarter, because um, the defenses were able to kind of put the clamps on. But 31-13 ending going into the third, 
uh, going into the fourth, and then, you know, the final score is obviously 31-20. So it was like, all right, cool. Like, K-State was able to do some things at the end there. Uh, pretty big uh, pass from Vaughn to, to Lewis. But as far as the offense, it really kind of wasn't existent, which is not your typical Kansas State, you know, Wildcat team. I think offense, a big explosive plays on the field, vertical, stretching it down north and south versus east and west. Um, a lot of things to kind of, I'm hit the panic button if I'm Kansas State right now, I think, because um, it was your first conference game and you kind of come out and lay an egg. This is a gut check next week. I think, um, you know, is Lewis the guy? Who knows? I mean, 10 of 19, around 48 with a TD and an interception. But your running game was, you had, you nobody, nobody eclipsed 50 yards. So you nobody even eclipsed 30 yards. You had three carries. It was just like, I just don't understand. I just don't. How you, how you can have a rushing leader with only 28 yards. Right. How, how? Yeah, well, and running the ball is so much of a Kansas State's identity. Like you mentioned, I mean, only 62 rush yards in the game. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State now, I agree with you, Warrior. emergency button. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Skylar Thompson went out with the injury two weeks ago, the starting quarterback. Yeah. Will Howard. Just injured, got injured. He's out now indefinitely. You're on your third string quarterback, and I think more importantly than that, he's the least mobile of those three quarterbacks. Right. So he can't contribute in the running game. So I, I you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, with him not being a running threat, the, you know, the real, the story of the game was Oklahoma State stopped the run. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the end of it. I mean, maybe one other storyline would be, I mean, Spencer Sanders played absolutely his best game of the season so far, 344 pass yards, two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. He's got some good weapons in Jalen Warren and Tay Martin, who he really exploited. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Malcolm Rodriguez had another great game on defense. Yeah. But let me just tell you, it, now, as, as of this point in the season, four weeks in, 25 top 25 teams have lost already. Yeah. 13 of them lost to unranked teams. Mm-hmm. What does that tell you about the preseason rankings? It tells me the preseason rankings don't mean shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it tells me, man. Clemson is all, all the way down to number 25. Clemson is just down. It's okay to have a down year every now and again, but the recruiting class that they brought in, it's just like, this is what happens, I guess, when Dallas Sweeney isn't able to bring in a, an All-American quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, awesome. Like, but, I yeah, Clemson is very confusing. I think there's a lot of people that are, a lot of people are calling for Dallas job, and I'm like, whoa, let's whoa, that's great, on, bro. Like, let's let's relax. It's okay to have a down year in there. You just, I mean, you're you've been in the playoffs every single year. This year, it's just it's not going to happen, obviously. Um, but a game I do want to kind of dive into is your Buffaloes. Uh, losing three, mm, yep. losing three straight. They just got crushed by Arizona State, um, 35-13. I feel really, really bad for Nate Landman coming back. Having all of these expectations, you're only on one conference. You can, you know, the door is still technically open for the Pac-12 conference. You have USC coming up, you know, at noon the, this week. Um, and I don't know, is that at USC? No, it's a home game. Okay. Lily and I are going to it. So let's hope that the weather's warm. You know, um, but uh, that's a team that I really had high hopes for in the Pac-12. I really did. I thought they were going to be a con- not a contender, but a, a closet contender for sure. A team that is competitive. 35-13 is a competitive. I mean, is is it time to move on from those? Four games, you've seen what he's got. He's He, he went 7-17 seven for 6-7 yards. Yeah, the problem is there's not another good option. That's Justin Fields in the NFL. No, I, well, 
Yeah, that's against the NFL defense. Yes. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe best that I start here. Uh, Arizona State's uh, offense is fun to watch. Arizona State is a good team. Offense coordinator Zach Hill, you know, he worked in some good end rounds, throwback passes, screens. Jaden, he, he, this is an offense coordinator who knows the abilities and the weaknesses of his quarterback mm. and exploits those. Yeah. Okay, and, and, and sets him up to win. The senior running back, Rashad White, is has been fantastic this year. He had a passing, t- uh, receiving touchdown on the pass back from uh, Ricky Pearsall. But what is infuriating to me, and if, if you wouldn't mind just giving me just a few minutes here, i got to get on my soapbox yeah, here. Yeah, dude, pop up. Okay, I, I'm listening on TV on ESPN yeah. as they're saying, well, oh, oh Colorado has uh, figured out the offense. The defense is the issue now. With all due respect, shut your mouth, okay? (laughs) Here's your Colorado first-half offense. Drive-by-drive. Punt, punt, missed field goal, punt, field goal. There were three points of offense in the first half. Now, granted, the offense came out with a strong drive at the start of the second half. Looked promising, eight plays, 75 yards for a touchdown. It was creative for the first time all season. They had an end-around. They had good balance between Fontenot and Broussard. You didn't put too much... On um on Lewis's shoulders. Remember what we said when we were watching the A and M game. Why are they not letting Lewis do what he does best? Design quarterback runs to the outside, bootlegs to the outside, get the get the offense stretched, stretch out that A and M defense because their safeties can't cover everybody. Right. Where's the creativity? Because yes. all kind of we heard about was this is a new offense. We have a very, very athletic quarterback. Yes, he's a freshman. We get it. He's young. But still, he won the job. He's, he, you've got to be able to complete a pass. And, and seven passes for 67 yards is not... That well, you know this with your experience. Bitched. You know this with your experience playing and watching football. Yeah. Is confidence begats confidence. It builds. There's yes. momentum. Get him, get him running. Get him some easy throws. He'll build some confidence. He, but they, but it's, it's just... You know, for me personally, this comes down to shivering. Yeah, but, but but I'll just tell you. So after that first drive, yeah, in the second half, looked promising, seventy-five yards. Mm-hmm. The offense only got another seventy-four yards the rest of the game. Okay, oh, wow. now and now I and now I will say this is probably my first slight at Colorado's defense. But when we scored that touchdown, it was ten to thirteen. Okay, it was a close game, and our our pass defense really fell apart. Okay, but. Ultimately, though, the offense only scored 13 points in the game. Only two teams in the country score fewer points per game than that. Yeah. Okay, Brandon Lewis is 141st in the country in passing yards. Little little context for you. There's only 130 teams. That means there's at least 11 backup quarterbacks <laughs> that have more pass yards than him. Okay. So His completion percentage is 52%. Colorado still, still after four games, has only one passing touchdown on the season. That okay, happen, man. The uh, offensive time of possession, 110th in the country, terrible. Okay, Even with no offense whatsoever for basically three weeks, the defense is still roughly in the top third in the country in points allowed, only giving up 20.5. Okay, The offense, on the other hand, is the fourth worst in the country in points scored, only scoring 13.8. It's not a formula for winning right there. The only teams worse than Colorado, points per game, Ohio, Vanderbilt, Navy, 
End of list. And UConn. Uh, no, no, teams better than Colorado. No way. UConn, UMass, Louisiana Monroe. Okay, oh this is the company Colorado's offense is keeping. Oh. Okay. My God. I mean, and I have to say this. Okay. This was the first time, you know, I, I have to call out head coach Carl Durrell. Yeah. I've been pointing a lot of my ire at Darren Cheverini, the offensive coordinator. i got to call out Carl, Carl Durrell here. To watch your head coach, when you're down 25 points with four and a half minutes left, and it's fourth and five from the opposing team's 15-yard line, okay, anyone with a modicum of testosterone in their body says, no, from their 15-yard oh. line. Oh, yeah, go for it. You're yeah. ramming into the end zone. Yeah, We're scoring here. We're scoring. We're losing either way. Fourth and five on our 15, yeah. To watch Durrell on the sideline yelling, field goal, field goal, field goal. Fourth and five? Pathetic. That really is. humiliating and pathetic. It was like that same thing, man. Okay, so like, Dan, if you Dan, if you don't, my question was, you're, I was kind of up on him the other end of that, though. When we watched A&M play CU... It was, it was fourth and, I think, maybe three. Yeah. So they were on their own eight. Too aggressive early. Yeah. It's way too aggressive early. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like he's been hearing all week about that call. You know what I mean? Like, against how, how come you didn't go for it against A&M? Your defense is playing really good. Yeah, at that point, you're not down 25. And your defense is playing like shit. No mm-hmm. offense. But, you know, it's okay, let's just go for it. He doesn't seem to understand the game. And, and that's just based on my two games of watching him. It's like watching Vic Fangio for the Broncos. He doesn't have a sense of knowing when to call a timeout. He doesn't have clock management. I'm hesitant to put it on Durrell just yet because it is just an offensive issue so far. However, we are seeing it's starting to metastasize into the defense. You can't keep your defense on the field for that long. That's why, that's why like... You need to understand the game. Right. And my defense just got done with a three and out. Yeah. We have this is four down territory, buddy. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have to give them a rest. Yeah. I have to give them that extra twenty mm-hmm. seconds. There was never and, and I, I just pulled this up, the win probability was never lower for Arizona State. When when Colorado when it was ten to fourteen, Arizona still was seventy eight percent to win the game. Yeah, because we have one pass touchdown in four games, and that was it. That was eleven minutes in the third quarter. Pathetic. Like, yeah, it, the fact that you're you're only down by four and it's that high. It should at least be in the fifties. You know what I mean? Like I, you you were here last week, but I know you listened. But I I read the riot act to Darren <laughs> Cheverini, and I and for whatever reason. He is still under the University of Colorado employee as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. I, that is just, I'm telling you, listen to these teams they're in league with. Vanderbilt, UConn, UMass, Louisiana Monroe. Yeah, I think that, um, it, you know, that's a good spot to, I think, kind of like talk about, you know, wrapping it up. As far as our anger, we got we got Notre Dame. Um, I, I can't stop talking about Notre Dame. I will always talk about Notre Dame. Um, it was a fun week, though, and it's good to have you back, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I want to thank you guys for sticking with Tyson. The kid held it down. <laughs> Straight monster two weeks in a row. Um, but thank you so much for listening. We, we talked a lot, a lot today. We covered recruiting, covered the games. Next week, we're going to recap uh, the games coming up. We're going to play our Power 5 picking game. And we're also going to probably dive into a little bit of uh, games of the week that we have. So... Thank you so much. This has been the fan section.